0: Hello and welcome to episode one of Coaching from the Couch, where today we will talk about round one of the NHL playoffs and who I believe will win each series and why I believe that. The first series I want to talk about today is the Washington Capitals against the Florida Panthers. I personally believe the Panthers, this is going to be a walk in the park for them. They've been, I mean, they've been the top team in the league for basically the entire year. Even facing the controversy of Joel Quenville, they still powered through it and finished with a 58-18-6 record to be the first team in the East. And Washington, in a strong Metro, has had its struggles, finishing at only 44-26-12. I understand that the Metro could be considered the stronger division, but in my opinion, with Florida, the bottom teams in the Atlantic are much harder to play against than the bottom teams in the Metro. Just looking at records as a whole, the bottom teams in the Atlantic finished hot with the Sabres finishing 32-39-11, and and they finished 6-4-0 in their last 10. Ottawa finishing 7-2-1 in their last 10. Montreal finished 2-8-0 in their last 10, but they did go on a good streak with Marty St. Louis, and also Florida just dropped a stinker against Montreal, losing 10-2, fueled by a Cole Caulfield hat-trick, and I simply just think Florida is the better team. Florida has the edge over... The Washington Capitals in power play percentage by a large margin. Florida is 7th in the league with 24.14% power play percentage. And Washington's a measly 23rd percent at 18.73%. Which is very bad. Especially considering when you have Alex Ovechkin, you'd think that that power play percentage would be a bit higher. But for some reason, Washington has just been wildly underwhelming this year. And they also have not been getting the goaltending they've wanted from the team. Especially Ilya Samsonov, who is supposed to be their next, like, Braden Holtby and their next starter. I feel as if they struggled with goaltending a lot. And that was something they really needed to make a run, and I just don't think they can make a run, and Florida is actually worse in penalty kill with a 79.77% penalty kill percentage, and they're 15th in the league, but Washington is 13th with just a little more at 80.27. Now, here's the thing, is I don't think that the lack of power play percentage or... Washington having a better penalty kill is really what's going to set apart this series. I think it's going to come down to goaltending, and Florida really just has simply gotten the better goaltending. This year, Sergei Bobrovsky has actually kind of played up to his $10 million price tag, and in 54 games played, He has a 2.67 goals against average, a 9.13 save percentage, along with three shutouts, and 39 wins, seven losses, and three OT losses, whereas the Capitals have not had as much consistency from goaltending that they would like. I mean, they have Vitek Manichak, who played 42 games, started 39, finished with a 2.67 goals against average and a 9.08 save percentage. And Ilya Samsonov played in 44 games, also starting 39 with a .896 save percentage and a 3.02 goals against. That are That is not great numbers for Samsonov, who a lot of people going into this season saw as being a capable starter for the Capitals in the way that the Rangers saw Igor Shesterkin and his small sample size being a starter, it was the same thought for the Capitals and Capitals fans, but it seems as if maybe pressure or maybe a harder game load and a harder workload got Samsonov and he just hasn't been able to be himself this season. But regardless, the goaltending for Washington is going to be the big difference in this series, and I just don't think it can win them a series against a high-powered offense like Florida's. This series will come down to which offense can perform better. In the regular season, these teams played three times, and each game had seven goals or more, with November 4th, 2021, Florida winning an OT 5-4 to four in November 26 2021, Washington winning four to three in regulation. And then lastly, November 30th, 2021, Florida winning five, four in regulation. So these teams have not played in almost five months or just about five months. So, and both teams have had very different stories in the past five months. Florida's been top of the league and Washington's been struggling to even stay at the top of the Metro. So, I personally believe that Washington can win this series, but it depends on how healthy really is Alex Ovechkin, and will experience overtake the young, youngness of the Florida Panthers team. So, I think two players to look out for, to be the, I guess, X-Factor players, you could say, for each team. I'd say Jonathan Huberto or Alexander Barkov for the Florida Panthers and Alex Ovechkin and Evgeny Kuznetsov for the Capitals, although I do think the Capitals will just lose the series and the Florida Panthers will win it in a close 4-2, 6-game series. All right, moving on to the next series is the Metro matchup of the second place New York Rangers facing the third place Pittsburgh Penguins. This series has some bad blood behind it from this season. If you do not recall in the final meeting between them on April 7th, Igor Shesterkin, who is the far and away Vesna winner as of right now, had waived the players of Pittsburgh off the ice at MSG after the Pittsburgh Penguins were causing a bit of commotion in the middle of the ice after the game was over and done with, and Igor did not like them playing on his home ice like that, so he decided to wave them off, and Pittsburgh Penguins fans and players did not take kindly to it, but it does give both teams a reason to want to win this series. Starting off, these teams played each other four times this year. The first game happening February 26th, a Pittsburgh win one nothing. On March 25th, a clobbering 5-1 win by the New York Rangers. On March 29th, a close 3-2 win by the New York Rangers. And on April 7th, a 3-0 win by the New York Rangers where Igor Shesterkin posted a shutout and also waved the Penguins off the ice after the game was over. The New York Rangers power play ranks fourth in the league at a 25.46% rate and the Pittsburgh Penguins power play is 19th in the league at 20.41% so a big difference there although keep in mind the Penguins did play a lot of the season without Evgeny Malkin and a good chunk of the season without Sidney Crosby and as well without Brian Russ who is a key part of that team And they really did not have a fortified second line with Jason Zucker also only playing 41 games this year. And he was a big get for them just a few seasons ago. And they went out at the deadline and got Ricard Raquel, who has played well for them with 13 points in 19 games. Although the Rangers were not quite at the deadline either. They. Got Frank Vitrano early before the deadline, who has eight goals and five assists for them with for 13 points in 22 games. They also went out and got Andrew Kopp, who has been a lightning bug for that team, with 18 points, 10 assists, and eight goals in only 16 games. And he has slotted in perfectly on that second line with Artemi Panarin and Ryan Strom and he has solidified that top six, and they also got Tyler Mott, who is having a good fourth-line presence for the team and a good penalty kill presence for the team, but sadly, he actually sustained a shoulder injury in that April 7th Pittsburgh game, and he is not expected to be back for the playoffs or really anytime soon. So, the goalie comparisons of this It feels kind of unfair just because of the season that Igor Shesterkin had this year. But you would assume if Tristan Jari is healthy, he will be the starter for the Penguins. In 58 games played, he has 34 wins, 18 losses, 6 OT losses, a 2.4 goals against, and a 9.19 save percentage. If Casey DeSmith is the starter, then he has 26 games played, 24 started. 11 wins, 6 losses, and 5 OT losses, with a 2.79 goals against and a 9.14 save percentage. Both very respectable, but Igor Shesterkin, who is having a, as I said before, a historical season for a goalie, has 53 games played, 52 started, 36 wins, 13 losses, a 2.07 goals against, and a 9.35 save percentage and his backup Alexander Goryev has 28 games started 33 played 15 wins 10 losses 2 OT losses with a 2.92 save percentage and a 8.98 save percentage a 2.92 goals against so Georgiev has not been great so Igor is obviously the starter and I think I think the series and the Rangers playoff run all comes down to how far can Igor take you. Let's be honest, Igor is not a playoff experienced goalie, and even though he's played a full season, it's still a relatively small sample size, and playoff hockey is a different breed. Do I think Igor has the composure to compete and play? Yes, I do, but against a team like Pittsburgh who has been there and is hungry for another one as Evgeny Malkin and Chris Letang seem they might have one foot out the door and Sidney Crosby you can only get older not that he's showing any signs of regression but it gets to a point where you got to think how much longer can, can Crosby play so I think that we've reached a point where The Penguins, this is kind of a last run, and the Rangers are looking at the first run of what can hopefully be many while their window is open. I think two players to look at are Artemi Panarin for the Rangers has been insane. Artemi Panarin is having a career year, 75 games played, 96 points, 22 goals, 74 assists. Also, Chris Kreider is having a career year at 52 goals and 25 assists for 77 points and he also leads the league with power play goals at 26 and our and Mika's advantage at as well with 29 goals 52 assists and 81 points and Adam Fox with 11 goals 63 assists and 74 points that's not to say that the Penguins do not have that skill either Jake Gensel is having a quiet point per game season and a quiet 40 goal season with 40 goals 44 assists and 84 points in 76 games played and sydney crosby is doing sydney crosby things with 69 games played 31 goals 53 assists and 84 points and chris letang 10 goals 58 assists 68 points jeff carter who has been a great surprise for them has ten goal, or 19 goals, 29 assists, and 45 points, and Evgeny Malkin in only 41 games played. I mentioned earlier he was hurt for most of the year with 20 goals, 22 assists, and 42 points. For context, Evan Rodriguez played 82 games and has 43 points with 24 assists and 19 goals. So, Evgeny Malkin is still Evgeny Malkin. As I mentioned, Igor Shesterkin is the backbone of the Rangers. If Igor Shesterkin does not play well, the Rangers have a much lesser chance of winning a game, let alone a series. The Rangers need Igor to play well for four games to win. And Igor, let's be honest, down the stretch, Igor has been showing a little bit of regression. But I do think Igor with Igor's had some rest for about three, four days now heading into playoffs. And I think that he could he use he could use the rest. He could have used the rest very well. I agree. And he will come back with a fresh mindset. And I mean, he plays with confidence against the Pittsburgh Penguins when you only lit up. Let's see. to when you only lit up three goals against them in a season I mean why don't you have confidence especially considering you have to have that confidence that you had at the end of the Pittsburgh game on April 7th to wave them off the ice you can't come in and be not confident so I do think this series comes down to how well Igor plays and how well the Rangers can back up Igor if he does not play well with that being said I do think the Rangers match up well against the penguins the penguins after their top six it kind of falls off a little bit that ricard raquel deal kind of drained their bottom six Zach aston reese was a good player who was on that bottom six and he is a good impact player and they lost him in the ricard raquel deal which makes sense you have to give up somebody to get a player like ricard raquel but i don't think ricard raquel is a player that really puts the Penguins over the hump any more than they already were so I do think the Rangers have the edge I do think the Rangers are ready for a playoff run although I don't know how deep of a playoff run so I'm gonna say this series will end in six games for two Rangers but it'll be a close six games I wouldn't be surprised if there's a few overtime games in there As this series will have a lot of bad blood and a lot of intensity going into each game with every day. And so I wouldn't be surprised if it's a close 4-2 series win. Moving on to the third series we will be talking about. Which is the second and third place series in the Atlantic. Between the second place Toronto Maple Leafs who do have home ice advantage against the defending back to back. Stanley Cup champions in Tampa Bay so first off Toronto is actually first in the league with a 27.19 percent power play percentage whereas Tampa Bay is ninth in the league at 23.64 percent so still lethal at a top 10 power play the Toronto Maple Leafs penalty kill is seventh in the league at 82.4% and the Tampa Bays is 12th at 80.88% Toronto this season went 54-21 and 7 and Tampa Bay went 51-23 and 8 and they split the season series to 2 November 4th 2021 Toronto 1-2-1 December 9th 2021 Tampa Bay won 5-3, and April 4th, 2022, Toronto won 6-2. And in their last game they played, Tampa won in a drubbing 8-1 game on April 21st. I think the result of this series really comes down to whether or not the core of the Toronto Maple Leafs, the core four, meaning Austin Matthews, William Nylander, Mitch Marner, and Jonathan Tavares, whether they can finally put it together in the playoffs. The Toronto Maple Leafs, since 2016, have made the playoffs every single year. Austin Matthews has, in six games, five points, seven games, two points, brutal, seven games, six points, five games, six points, seven games, five points. So yeah, he produces, but when you can't make it past the first round with three elite forwards, four elite forwards, actually, then how can you really say that they have proven they belong? Yeah. Yeah. Austin Matthews got 60 goals this year, but what happens if that touch falls off in the playoffs? It doesn't matter. Cool, he'll win the Hart, he'll win the Richard, but he won't be taking any Stanley Cups home. Toronto is starving for a Stanley Cup, and everybody knows it. Toronto is facing the most pressure of any team to win a series this year. It is obvious. If they do not win a series this year... Serious moves have to be made It's not a retool anymore Kyle Dubas will have to look At the team and make some hard Decisions whether that's William Nylander and whether that's Morgan Riley then you Have to figure something out do I think Either of those are the answer no But you have to figure Something out because this core is not Going to do it if they don't do it this Year last year should have been The year and it was not so, if they don't do it this year, you have to take a step back, put your bias aside, and make a move. With Tampa Bay, this series should not be taken lightly by any means. The Toronto Maple Leafs are hungry to win a round. Whether somebody may say they're not, they are. Austin Matthews wants to win a series because that's his biggest knock is you can do it all in the regular season, but can't do it in the playoffs, but the Tampa Bay Lightning also really have nothing to prove. They are back-to-back Stanley Cup champions. They coasted through this season. They didn't even have to win their division and people are still scared of them to win the cup. So it's like, can Tampa get past Toronto? Yes. Will it be easy? No, not necessarily. Toronto has been better defensively this year they've gotten some good goaltending from jack campbell and it is not crazy to say that toronto could win the series jack campbell has 31 wins 9 losses a 2.6 goals against and a 914 save percentage and vasilevsky hasn't been all that astonishing this year with 39 wins 18 losses a 2.4 goals against and a 916 save percentage although Vasilevsky has never lost a game back-to-back in the playoffs so if Vasilevsky does follow that stat that means this game is going to seven (laughs) so I do think this series could go to seven and I think this is the hardest series to predict because of how much pressure the Leafs are facing, it seems like the Leafs are in a need-to-win basis in the... I mean, would the Lightning like to three-peat? Yes, for sure. But do they look back on their seasons and their seasons past and call it bad that they just won back-to-back Stanley Cup titles? No. Do they look disappointed that they couldn't get the three-peat? Yes. But... It is hard to win a Stanley Cup, it is even harder to win two, and it's even harder to win three in a row. I mean, look at the Pittsburgh Penguins, who just won back-to-back Stanley Cups not too long ago, they were favored to win the Cup as 3 Pete, but they ran into Washington, who just was a desperate Ovechkin who wanted his Cup. And so Pittsburgh, who had demolished Washington no matter the outcome, had always gotten past Washington, finally loses to Washington, and Washington gets their cup. Am I saying that if Toronto beats Tampa, they win the cup? No. I think Toronto has a lot more issues after beating Tampa, especially if they have to play the Boston Bruins, which is their boogeyman. Just like Sidney Crosby and the Penguins was Ovechkin's boogeyman. So as I said, this series is very hard to predict. But I'm going to have to go with the back-to-back Stanley Cup champions. I just think this is a bad hand for the Leafs. They are running into a team that is desperate to win a hungry Steven Stamkos who, mind you, just had his first 100 point season at over 30 and he clearly is showing no signs of slowing down Nikita Kucherov is fresh Victor Hedman is fresh Braden Point is fresh this team is ready to win another cup whether we like it or not and I just don't think Toronto is going to be the team that will take them down So we will be seeing Tampa in round two for another year, and we will be seeing Toronto hopefully making some real decisions if they do lose this series because if they try to run it back with the same core, then, I mean, what can you really say at that point? You're holding on to something that's just not going to work. So my official prediction, I'm going to say Tampa Bay in six games but I wouldn't be surprised if this goes to a Game 7 in Toronto and Tampa puts a knife through the hearts of Maple Leafs fans all over Toronto. All right, and moving on to our last series in the East, which is the first in the Metro Carolina Hurricanes taking on the Wild Card 1 Boston Bruins in a rematch of just a few years ago when Boston beat Carolina in the Eastern Conference Final when Carolina was on their Cinderella run. So, starting off, Carolina swept the season series this year on October 28th, winning 3-0, on January 18th, winning 7-1, and on February 10th, winning 6-0. I... This series is also very hard for me to predict. I think either team could win. But I also think this is Boston's, like, real last shot at winning a cup, I think. I think Bergeron's getting old, and that core really is getting old. I mean, you have young guys like Marchand will be there for a little while, Pasternak will be there, Taylor Hall will be there, McAvoy will be there, but are you really going to rely on a team of Brad Marchand, Taylor Hall, David Pasternak, and then you have Eric Howla, who's been good for them, but he's not a second-line center. You have Charlie Coyle, who kind of regressed this year, let's be real. DeBrusque, who they are actively trying to get rid of, and a few other depth players who just aren't what Boston needs right now. I just think that Boston is staring down the barrel of a retool, at least, and they are trying to get one last breath of fresh air before they have to actually commit to it. Now, that's not to say Boston can't win the cup. I think Boston is a team that i boston's a dark horse team that could sneak in and win the cup they have played tampa multiple times in the playoffs they in fact got rolled by tampa in the playoffs not just a few years ago and i do think that boston can put a run together i mean everybody was saying in 2019 when they lost in the finals this is last year Bruins aren't going to be able to do anything, and they proved everybody really wrong. The only thing that is different about the Bruins from that year, other than a Taylor Hall and Zdeno Chara, is they don't have two Rask this year. This year, they have Jeremy Swayman, who split 41 games and 41 games with Linus Olmark. Swayman with 23 wins. 14 losses a 2.4 goals against and a 914 save percentage and Linus Olmark with 26 wins 10 losses 2.45 goals against and a 917 save percentage so who do you start if you're the Bruins I'd personally say Linus Olmark not that he has more playoff experience he was in Buffalo but he is older, he has just more experience in general. He is has shown that he can be a starting, capable goaltender. And I do think that this is a chance for Omar to prove himself as the number one over Sweden. But you could go either, and I think you're pretty safe betting on either although I wouldn't be surprised if they do ride Swayman as Swayman seems to be the guy for their future, and Allmark is kind of just a stopgap right now, but yeah, I think that I wouldn't be surprised if either start, but in my opinion, I would go Allmark, just experience over lack of experience, but I wouldn't be surprised if either start. Now, Carolina, who is a confusing team for me to talk about because I do think they have the chance of winning a cup but I just I feel like they're kind of in not as bad of a situation as Toronto where they have to prove it but the past few playoffs for Carolina have been disappointing for what people are expecting you they make a lot of moves at the deadline to try and make a run and they just get they get beat by Tampa I mean now you lose to the Stanley Cup champions but Carolina was looking like the team to beat heading into the playoffs last year and they simply just weren't they ended up not being it and I think Carolina if they cannot win the cup this year really has to look at their team and like Toronto not to the extent of Toronto because Carolina's proven they can go on a run but they need to look at their team and think whether or not this team has it to go all the way I think they do but as the metro gets stronger and as Carolina loses that gap they kind of have on the metro right now as the rangers get better the penguins are still there the blue jackets look to be on the right track and the caps are still there as that gap closes how much time left do you have before you have to think about retooling for the future and retooling for a cup with that being said though the Carolina Hurricanes have gotten very, very good goaltending out of former Toronto Maple Leafs goaltender Freddie Anderson with a 35 wins, 14 losses, and a 2.17 goals against and a 9.22 save percentage. Along with Annie Rata playing some good hockey at a 15-5 and record and a 2.45 goals against, and a 9.12 save percentage. All right, so Freddie Anderson's hurt, and he is not showing great signs of returning. As of just a few days ago, he is still not skated, and he the team is growing concerned more and more as playoffs near, just a few days away. Although, with Freddie Anderson not being healthy, I don't think the Canes have too much to worry about. Ronta is an experienced goaltender, and I do think anti-Ronta can win this series for them and also give Freddie Anderson a good break. But Ronta also has a big history of issues, injury issues. So if he goes down, you're trusting... Pyotr Kochetkov, who came in late in the season played two games or three games won all three and had a 2.42 goals against and a 9.0 or 0.902 save percentage so I mean he's been good but has he been great not necessarily and also it's late in the season many teams are resting if they've already clinched so it's Kind of a double edged sword, really. You either play a guy who can get hurt really easily, or you play a rookie who has only played three games this year and has never even sniffed the playoffs one bit. So, with that being said, I do think Carolina wins this series. So, I do think Carolina wins this series, and I don't think it's much of a challenge I don't see this series going any more than six games and even if it is six games it's a relatively not really close six games maybe the Bruins get a few lucky goals and my one issue and worry with Carolina is as the rounds get deeper they don't have much real scoring depth I mean they have the depth they have players like they have players after the top line of Ajo, Sveshnikov, and Teravainen like Trochak, like D'Angelo who can put up points, Niederreiter, Jarvis, Nakus, Stahl, Faust, Kokaniemi but it's just against a team like Tampa or even the New York Rangers where that second line could be a first line, it will be hard in playoffs to hit your way to a win when you need a goal in a last-second situation. And so I just think that the biggest issue for Carolina is going to be that defensive-mindedness and whether or not that depth can prove to come up big in the playoffs. All right. So, my official prediction for this series is going to be Carolina in 6 games. Although it could be a close 6 games and it could be a not very close 6 games, but I'll stick with Carolina 6 games. I think that goaltending is just going to prevail here. I think Anthony Ranta is going to step up for them. And I do think that that top line, tops top line and second line are going to score at the way they have been all year and they're going to come up big for the Hurricanes. All right and now moving on to the West I want to first talk about what realistically is the easiest series in my opinion to predict in these playoffs which is Edmonton LA. I think Edmonton is going to win. It's not really much of a gamble to pick Edmonton. And Edmonton, if Edmonton doesn't win this series, then you really have to look at the team and think what is the problem because they should have already made multiple deep runs, and honestly, probably should have already won a Stanley Cup at this point when you have Connor McDavid and Leon Draisaitl on that team. But getting into it, the Edmonton Oilers won the season series three-one. Starting with a loss, actually, to L.A., 5-1 on December 5th. On February 15th, they won 5-2 on March 30th, winning 4-3 in the shootout, and then on April 7th, winning 3-2 in regulation. So, Edmonton is a very interesting team. I think they are one of the teams that, If they do not win a cup this year or don't make a deep run, you really do have to look at the team and think about whether it's time to move on. Especially if you lose to the Kings, you kind of have to wonder how much longer does McDavid put up with it, and is it time to finally make a big move like trading Leon Dreisaitl, which, I mean, if you're trading Leon Dreisler, you're losing that deal 10 times out of 10. But if it's the move that has to be made, it's the move that has to be made. Whether it's trading Ryan Nugent Hopkins for a goaltender, I mean, if the, if the Kings beat the Oilers, it's going to come down to the better goaltending. It's simple. Jonathan Quick is a better goalie than Mike Smith at this point and Miko Koskinen. And if Mike Smith, he's 41 years old, it's not like if he gets hurt, he'll be able to come back immediately. At that age, it's a bit harder to just force yourself to come back from an injury, especially when you are as old and have been playing as long and as consistently as Mike Smith. Not to say he can't win the series, but if he does go down with an injury, that can be an issue. And talking about goalies, the Oilers, I just spent a few seconds talking about Mike Smith. He has twenty er, 27 games, 28 games played, 16 wins, 9 losses, a 2.8 goals against, and a 915 save percentage. And Miko Koskinen has 45 games played, 27 wins, 12 losses and a 9.03 save percentage. So, you wonder, Mike Smith hasn't played a lot, let's be honest, only 28 games, but that's a good thing, as if he doesn't play much, then there's less worry that he might get injured, might get hurt, and there's less worry of a 41-year-old man getting injured in the playoffs and losing you the series. Now with the la kings goaltending has been okay not great but Justin quick in 46 games has 23 wins 13 losses a 2.59 goals against and in 9 10 save percentage and cal peterson in 37 games played has 20 wins 14 losses a 2.89 goals against, and a 8.95 save percentage. All right, so Jonathan Quick can definitely win them the series. He can stand on his head, he can make incredible saves, he can have an incredible four or five games and just steal the series from Edmonton, and now he goes on to round two. But it is so improbable that I just, I can't, it is hard to see L.A. somehow making it out of this series. Edmonton is a very desperate team. Edmonton has a lot of pressure to win not only a series, win a cup. They've had a few second-round runs, but it's time to pony up and win a cup. So Edmonton really should win this series, especially considering la does not have drew dowdy drew dowdy had season entering ending surgery and so drew dowdy will not be with the kings at all and the kings are really going to miss a guy like drew dowdy on that blue line regardless of whether younger guys have been able to fill that role drew dowdy was having a or a comeback season And he was the heart of soul of that D, and without him, the Kings really don't have an identity on D, and Edmonton should be able to take advantage of that very, very well. But here's the thing, LA is a a much weaker team than Edmonton, let's be honest. The Pacific is very weak, LA is the third place team, and they really weren't even considering playoffs all that much this season maybe a wild card spot along with Edmonton just being a better roster and being a better team Edmonton just has by far the better power play they are third in the league with a 26.07 power play percentage and LA is the worst power play team in the in the playoffs at only 27th in the league, a 16.13 percentage rate, which is just brutal for being a playoff team. They were under teams such as, they were under teams like Detroit, who didn't make playoffs, Vegas, who didn't make playoffs, Columbus. The next closest team in the playoffs that has anywhere near is Washington, and they have an 18% power play percentage. Ottawa had a higher power play percentage, and Chicago, who both had awful, awful seasons. So, not surrounded by great company. <laughs> They're only above New Jersey, Seattle, Arizona, Montreal, and Philadelphia. So, the bottom of the league. Um, so, it's not great for LA to be coming into playoffs with that power play but penalties get called less so you might get lucky but still when you do have a penalty called for you you'd like to have that power play convert but most of the time they do not and really it seems they don't really at all Moving on to penalty kill, Edmonton is 17th with 79.2% and LA's 22nd with 76.65%, so not as big of a gap, but still, Edmonton has the edge. Edmonton should win this game in five, I think they're going to win this game in five, LA is not a playoff caliber team that Edmonton should worry about, Edmonton should easily win this, so I'll go Edmonton in five. Easy series, easy win, move on to the second round. All right, and now moving on in the West to Minnesota and St. Louis, which I think will be the closest series in the West. They kind of showed how physical of a series this will be down the stretch. Uh, Minnesota has a 53-22-7 record and will have home ice advantage. And St. Louis has a 49-22 and 11 record. St. Louis, though, did sweep the season series, playing three games, winning all three. April 16th, they won six to five in OT. April 8th, they won four three in OT, and January 1st, the Winter Classic game, they beat Minnesota six to four. So power play. Minnesota is 18th in the league at only 20.5%, and St. Louis is all the way up at 2nd in the league at 27%, only behind Toronto, and with PK, St. Louis is 5th at 84.1%, and Minnesota is 25th at 76.1%. I think no matter who wins this game, it's going to seven. This is going to be, I think, the series that steals the show for East and West in the rounds this year. But I think my biggest worry for Minnesota is how much scoring are you going to get past Kirill Kabrasov, Fiala, Zuccarello, and then the second line of Joel Eriksenak, Ryan Hartman, and Flino. I just, I don't think Minnesota has the depth just quite yet to compete with a St. Louis Blues team that is getting a resurgence from Vladimir Tarasenko, a breakout from Robert Thomas, an insane year from Pavel Buchnevich, a crazy year from Kairu, a good year from Barbashev, is still kicking, Ryan O'Reilly is still kicking. Perron still kicking. Even Brendan Saad has 49 points. I mean, the depth on St. Louis compared to years past is just brutal to play against. And if O'Reilly and Shen can turn the clock back, then this could be an easy series for St. Louis to win. Although, I do think Minnesota has a bit of the edge in goaltending, just the fact that they have Cam Talbot and Marc-Andre Fleury, I mean, come on. So, in 11 games with Minnesota, Fleury has a has 9 wins, 2 losses, a 2.7 goals against, and a 9-10 save percentage. And in 49 games played, Cam Talbot has 32 wins, 12 losses, a 2.76 goals against, and a 9 save percentage. So, I mean, ideally, you could start either of them. I do personally think you should start Flurry. He has more playoff experience. He's gone on two Cup runs and led Vegas to the Stanley Cup finals in their first year and the Western Conference finals. And Flurry just plays well in the playoffs. He is a backbone to a playoff team and just. The amount of experience he has over Cam Talbot, I just don't see how you can argue starting Cam Talbot over a guy like Flurry, who has years and years and rounds and rounds of playoff success and playoff experience, where Talbot has definitely shown that he can win a series, but I just I don't know if Talbot is a guy that you can rely on for four series, especially considering this is the year for minnesota to make a run fiala might not they might not be able to afford him flurry who knows if he stays there and the central Division's only getting harder to play in nashville's making a comeback st louis is still there colorado's there you never know what can happen dallas is still kicking winnipeg i think winnipeg underperformed this year so you have to think minnesota this is kind of their chance to win it all And I think they can win it all. But I think that St. Louis's forward depth is going to win them this series. And so I'm going to go St. Louis, seven games in a very physical series. And I would not be shocked if Minnesota wins it in seven, but I'm going to stick with St. Louis in seven. I just think that depth on the front end for them is too much for Minnesota to handle. All right. And now moving on in the West to Colorado Nashville. Colorado, who finished the season top of the West with a 56-19 and seven record, and Nashville, who is the second wild card spot, finishing 45-30 and seven. Nashville actually won the season series 3-1. November 27th, Colorado won 6 2 December 16th, Nashville wins 5-2. January 11th, Nashville wins 5-4 and OT. And again, they win 5-4 in a shootout on April 28th. Power play, Nashville is 6th at 24%. And, I mean, they're basically tied. Colorado is 7th at 24%. PK, Nashville is 18 at 79%. And Colorado is 15th at 79.7%. I do think this is Colorado's series to lose. I thought this was going to be a close series and then UC Saros got hurt and UC Saros has been a big reason why Nashville has been able to come back from mediocrity this year and be a genuine playoff contender I think and I just I don't think that David Riddich is the goalie that's going to win you a series against a team that consists of Miko Ranton and Nathan McKinnon a insane Nazem Kadri, a 28 goal Cal McCarr and I mean Gabriel Aniskog is still there Burakovsky having a great season I just the depth of Colorado is so good that I just I can't see David Rich being able to keep up and I can't see Nashville being able to keep up either I mean Roman Yossi 96 points he's going to win the Norris that's insane. I mean, crazy season by a defenseman. Matt Duchesne with a comeback, Philip Forsberg having a comeback season, and Michael Granlin with a comeback season also, but after Michael Granlin and Ryan Johansson, there's a big fall-off. Tanner Janot at 41 points, and then Philip Tomasino at 32, and I mean, it's just, it's a brutal fall-off, and I love Nashville. I love their decor. If UC Saros was playing, I would personally say that Nashville could win this series but without Saros I just don't think that they have a chance really I mean let's put it into perspective how crazy Saros has been Saros has played 67 games for the Predators I mean that's just ridiculous 38 wins 25 losses a 2.6 goals against and a 918 save percentage David Riddick, 17 games, 6 wins, 3 losses, 4 OT losses, a 3.5 goals against and an 88.6 save 8 percentage. I mean, Saros is the backbone of that team, it's obvious and I just I without Saros, I just can't see them getting past a Colorado team that really has a lot of pressure to make a run here. It's been almost, I want to say 3 runs in a row where Colorado is the poised favorite to win the cup, win the West, and they disappoint. Kind of like the Edmonton and Toronto spot, it's, you have all these players, you have McKinnon on such a nice deal, you have to win when he's making $6 million a year, and it's just, they haven't been able to put it together past the second round, and I just think that if they don't make it past this year, they do have to make it. Some moves not as bad as maybe like an Edmonton losing or Toronto. But they do have to see what the issue is. I mean, or I guess, what can you fix on a somewhat flawless team? I guess maybe they go for a genuinely elite goaltender that isn't Darcy Kemper. No offense to Darcy Kemper, but I just don't see him as an elite goaltender. But, I mean... If UC Soros was... They are lucky because they got bailed. UC Soros is injured for the rest of the season. And he will not be playing in this series. But if UC Soros was in the series, I would not be surprised if Nashville did pull out the win. Although, I do think this series will still be relatively close. I like Nashville. The core they do have, it does have some good playoff experience. I mean, Phil Forsberg was there on the finals team. So is Roman Yossi. Matt Duchesne made a, has had a few runs in the playoffs. I mean, it was just a few years ago that Matt Duchesne and Artemi Panarin knocked off Tampa Bay in the first round. People seem to forget about that. And I mean they have a good they have a good vet squad. But like I said, I mean Philip Forsberg, Johansson... Yossi they were all on that team that made it to the playoffs and made it to the finals against Pittsburgh before they lost and that is a good three guys to have that know what the stakes are but without having that backbone goaltender like they had Pecorino in the past and UC Saros in the present I just don't see them being able to keep up with the high power offense of Colorado I think Colorado wins this series in six games would not be surprised if it goes to seven, but I don't think it's a five-game series. I don't think this series is that far off. Um, I think Nashville with Soros could win the series, but since David Riddick seems to be their starter, I just can't see them winning without Soros. Soros has been the backbone of that team, and Colorado is desperate to make it out of the second round, make a real run, and prove that they can hang around with the elite of the elites, and... So, yeah, I'm going to go Colorado in six. I do think Nashville keeps it close. I don't think there will be many blowout games, um, but I'm going to go Colorado in six. I just, I can't see Nashville winning without Soros. So, Colorado in six. And the last, but certainly not least interesting series. I'm actually very excited for this series, how it could go is calgary dallas calgary finishing with a 50 21 and 11 record top of the pacific dallas 46 30 and six calgary actually won the series season series 2 one november 14th winning 4-3 in overtime was dallas february 1st calgary won 4-3 and april 21st calgary won 4-2 um power play they're actually very close calgary's 10th with a 22.9 percentage and dallas at 11 with a 22.4 percent um where they kind of taper off from each other calgary's number six in penalty kill at an 83.2 percent and dallas is at 18th with a 79 percent penalty kill my <clears throat> biggest issue with dallas to be honest is Dallas is just very from what I've seen very inconsistent and if they don't get scoring from the top line, <clears throat> it's kinda it's hard to come by for them. So if Jason Robertson and Pavelski and Rope Hintz cannot really carry the team like they've been able to. I mean, the fall off after Rope Hints, it's seventy two points from Rope Hints and then Tyler Sagan. At 49, and it's just I feel like it is difficult to win in the playoffs if you only have one line, and that's why teams like the Rangers went out and got a guy like Andrew Copp, Frank Vitrano, Tyler mott because they knew that they needed to have more than a few lines. And I just don't think Dallas has more than a few lines, really i i mean maybe tyler sagan can come back maybe jb ben comes back i just i don't see it happening to be honest and dallas has just been very streaky very inconsistent and i just i can't see them winning a series and the flames have just been a wagon this year i mean Johnny Goudreau with 115 points in 82 games. Matthew Kachuk, 104. Elias Lindholm, 82. And then Andrew Mondrapain with a 35-goal season. I mean, come on. Rasmus Anderson and Noah Hannafin at 48 and 50 points, respectively. I just... I think that the Flames team is just different than years past. I don't think this is a team where... They get really hot over the regular season, they finish hot, they are one of the best teams in the league, and then they crumble in the first round. I just don't think that's happening this year. I think that Calgary kind of knows, the players on the team kind of know, Johnny is on the way out. I don't think Calgary re-signs him, I don't think they can And I think that the team kind of knows that. And so they're trying to make one last run. And I mean, the goaltending they've gotten has been remarkable. Jacob Markstrom, 63 games played, 37 wins, 15 losses, a 2.2 goals against, 9.22 save percentage, and 9 shutouts. I mean, come on. Markstrom is lights out if he ever, if he wants to be. And I just think that Calgary's defense, Calgary's offense, and Calgary's goaltending is just eons better than Dallas. And I think this is a very easy series for Calgary. And I just think Dallas is going to have a hard time competing with the depth that Calgary does have. And Dallas just has such little depth after that first line that it's just going to be hard. And I just, I don't think Pavelski hints and robertson are going to be able to keep up and i mean if you're relying on one line you're kind of done especially considering goaltending's been okay for dallas but i mean ettinger doesn't really have much playoff experience but this year he's got 46 games started 30 wins 15 losses and a 9.14 save percentage and a 2.5 goals against. So he's been serviceable. He's been good. He's been a good starter. But when playoffs come, it's completely different games, completely different mindset. And the worry I have is does Ettinger have the mental fortitude, I guess, to really step it up? He has played two games in the playoffs. I mean,. He played for eight shots total. Didn't let a goal in, but he only played for 36 minutes total. So, I mean, very lackluster playoff career compared to a guy like Jacob Markstrom, who has a decent amount of playoff experience and really can and has proven that he can step up in the playoffs. For Vancouver, he, in 2019-2020, he was 8-6, and six, a 2.85 goals against, and a 919 save percentage, and one shutout. Not bad for his only playoff appearance. Now, if he was facing a team that had more depth, would I be worried? Yes, but that first line is really the only lethal threat I find on Dallas, to be honest. So... I really am not worried too much about Calgary. I'll say Calgary wins in six. So Calgary, four games, two games to Dallas. And I just, I don't see Dallas making it out of the first round. I think this is a different Calgary team with a different mindset. And they know that they have to get, they have to get things done this year or else. It's kind of done for them. All right, and that is it for episode one of Coaching from the Couch. And that is it for my series predictions. To recap, in the East, I have Florida over Washington in five games. I have New York over Pittsburgh in six. I have Carolina over Boston in six. And Tampa over Toronto in six or seven. In the West, I have Colorado over Nashville in six. I have St. Louis in seven over Minnesota. I have Calgary in six over Detroit, and I have Edmonton in five over L.A. I hope everybody enjoyed the listen, and I hope you maybe agree with my picks. If not, it's whatever. It's not objective. It's subjective. And, I mean, let's face it, I'll probably be wrong by night one. So, if you did enjoy, make sure to share and make sure to like the podcast and share it with your friends thank you again for listening and i will see you for episode two sometime soon